Our gospel reading for today comes from the third chapter of the Gospel of John, and Jesus is speaking here. Jesus says, just as, Moses, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true comes to, come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It had been nearly 40 years since the Israelites left Egypt. Since their dramatic escape through the Exodus, through the parted waters of the Red Sea, their life had become rather boring. Wandering around and around and around, in the unforgiving Sinai Desert. They were hot and tired. Their feet hurt. Their clothes were caked with sand. They had been eating the same tasteless manna and drinking the same warm, sandy, unfiltered water from the rocks for decades. And they were fed up. Not that they were exactly a very happy bunch to begin with, The Israelites of those years complained all the time, Moses, we're hungry. Moses, we're tired. Moses, are we there yet? In our first reading for today from the book of Numbers, we find them complaining again. They say to Moses, you brought us out of Egypt for this. We would rather be still enslaved under Pharaoh, making bricks without straw, than to be out here with you. What a mess. But this time, they go a little too far. This time, they don't just lay into Moses as they had many times before. This time, they speak against God, making this the most serious of any of their desert complaints. And God, who must have been feeling pretty fed up too, responds by sending poisonous, fiery, deadly serpents which covered the ground and killed many of the Israelites. Now, when I try to visualize this story, what comes, to, what comes to mind for me is a scene from the movie Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, a true classic. After searching across continents, Indiana Jones has finally discovered the location of the Lost Ark of the Covenant, and he removes, removes the cover to its underground hiding place, and he and his friend Sala look inside. It's dark. So they drop in torches to see what is down there. And in one of my favorite moments of the movie, Sala asks, Indy, why is the floor moving? And Indy looks up to the sky and says, why did it have to be snakes? Indiana Jones hated snakes. And that's just what I imagine. The ground beneath the Israelites filled with snakes snapping at their heels. And so, as one would, The people immediately repent, picking up their feet off the ground and saying to Moses, Moses, pray to the Lord to take these snakes away. 
Moses carries the people's prayers to God, and God instructs him to make a poisonous serpent of bronze and set it on a pole so that everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. And they did. They looked on it and they were healed. And that bronze serpent on a stick appears throughout history and mythology as a symbol of healing and, among other things, the symbol of the American Medical Association. In our gospel for today, Jesus picks up on that imagery of the bronze serpent being lifted up and likens it to the cross. He says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. He says that just as the snake was raised up for the healing of the Israelites, so he would be lifted up on the cross for the healing of the world. By invoking this story, Jesus is telling us something important about the meaning of the cross and our lives in God. And there are three things that stand out to me. First, the Israelites pray that God would take the snakes away. But do you notice? God doesn't do that. The snakes remained, at least for a time. And instead, God provides a means of healing from their poisonous venom the bronze serpent. Now let me say that God doesn't send suffering to us like God sent the snakes to the Israelites. Um, Sickness happens not because God sends it to teach us a lesson or because we have failed or disappointed God or in some way, but because sickness and death are a part of this life and have been from the beginning. But when we are hurting, when we are suffering, it doesn't feel that way, does it? We often pray that God will take it away. And when that doesn't happen, we come to resent God. But the Israelites only got healed when they looked up at the bronze snake, which must have been a hard thing to do with all of those serpents nipping at their heels. It is hard to take our eyes off of our suffering long enough to look up. But that's where our story says, healing comes when we look up, when we look up to Jesus and to the cross. The fact that Jesus was lifted up and died on the cross does not take away our hurt or the stinging bites of life. The cross does not take away the snakes of the world. Rather, it stands as an antidote to all this world's venom. Lutherans call this the theology of the cross, and we say that in these moments when it seems that we are most distant from God because of our suffering, this in fact is the moment in which we are closer and closest to God because of the cross, because Jesus joined us in our suffering and experienced every dimension of suffering that a person can. Though suffering, sadly, is a part of life, this is the place where God meets us and never leaves us alone. In her song, Look Up, Child, uh, singer Lauren Daigle captures it this way. She says, Where are you now when darkness seems to win? Where are you now when the world is crumbling? I hear you say, Look up, child. Where are you now when all I feel is doubt? Oh, where are you now when I can't figure it out? I hear you say, look up, child. 
You're not threatened by the war. You're not shaken by the storm. I know you're in control, even in our suffering, even when it can't be seen. I know you're in control. And I hear you say, look up, child. Look up. The second thing that stands out to me in this reading is that for the Israelites, their healing came through the same thing that caused them pain, a snake. And uh, as I looked back on that scene from Indiana Jones and the uh, Ark of the Covenant this week, I learned something new. Uh, Indiana Jones gets lower down among the snakes, which just gives him the heebie-jeebies, and for those of us watching, the same. And then he gets discovered uh, by the Nazis who trap him underground with all of those snakes. But then the very snakes that Indiana Jones loathed actually got him out of this mess. Looking for a way out, he sees that snakes are slithering through holes in the walls, and he figures that if they can get in, he can get out. And so he breaks open that wall, and he escapes. And this took me again to Henry Nouwen's book, Life of the Beloved, which I quoted earlier this year, where Henry Nouwen writes that we are all broken and beloved, but that our brokenness, while it can be a source of pain, shame, and fear, something we can avoid and hide, can also become the place where we find healing. Nouwen writes that our healing comes when we move closer to our wounds and our pain. He says we are healed, drawn closer to God, and set free by the very things that have hurt us, like the snakes. We remember that through Jesus' wounds, we are healed, and that through our wounds, our scars, we can be a source of empathy and healing for others. And finally, third, not too long after the snakes, these Israelites crossed the Jordan River as they entered finally after 40 years into the promised land. The 40 years of wandering, complaining, hungering, and thirsting were over, and now they were finally going home. Imagine that scene, almost as if you were watching a movie. From above, you see this train of people crossing into home, and as you pan down, you see their tired yet joyous faces. You see the bags weighing down on their backs. You see their weathered hands, and further down now, as you zoom Onto their feet, you look at those feet going from the dry, hot desert sands down into the soggy riverbed of the Jordan River. It must have been like walking across a hot beach and finally arriving at the waterline where the ocean has made the sand cool and soft. Zoom in a little closer at their feet, and you'll see something else. Scars the scars from all those snake bites. Even though we have been saved by grace, we still suffer and we still sin and life can be so hard. But through the cross, we are made well in all the ways that matter most and we are forgiven. But even so, we continue to bear the scars but these scars of ours are not scarlet letters. In the looking up to the cross and through the journey of faith, our scars become something else, symbols of God's healing and sources of healing that we have to offer to others. 
We are not supposed to ignore or hide our scars. We are meant to honor them and cherish them. For like the Israelites, we too bring our scars with us into the promised land, into Easter. The cross is a messy and complicated business. It is a symbol of suffering and sin. The cross itself is a scar on the landscape of our world, an instrument of death hanging in otherwise lovely churches, standing silently on hilltops, imposed as ashes upon our foreheads to remind us that we are but dust. But in his death and resurrection, Jesus redeems our suffering, our sin, and our scars and transforms them just as Jesus transformed the cross from death to life. And so, as someone once put it, the simple equation endures. The cure for snakes is a snake. The cure for human life is one man's life. The cure for death is death. Nothing less will do. Those whose eyes follow the Son of Man as he is lifted up see God's healing of the world, a world God loves so dearly and so deeply that he sent his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but live. Amen.